This is the intro song for my asshole brain. <laughs> Welcome to my asshole brain. Today we're going to discuss <laughs> grudges and forgiveness. forgiveness. And today it's just me and Stephanie, which is kind of a rare thing lately. Yeah, we've been doing all the guest episodes. Yeah. The last one that we did with just the two of us was when we talked about your family, family. and singlehood and all that stuff. So... What a wonderful thing to segue from there to grudges and family. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Speaking of family, uh, the topic, as I mentioned before, is about grudges and forgiveness. And there's a lot of overlap with this uh, and wrath when we talked about anger because grudges are what you're doing is holding on to anger. The impact on your brain and your mental health is very much the same with grudges as it is with anger. Uh, which shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone as far as that goes. But what I thought was interesting when I was doing some research on it was that, uh, one, that it keeps you in a prolonged fight state because you're kind of always ready for this confrontation or you're angry at this person who's you probably feel somewhat maybe threatened by um, or that anger toward them still makes you feel like you're in a fight state because if you see them, you might be anticipating a conflict or a confrontation. And so even if you're not, if you don't know if you're going to run into them, if you don't even have contact with this person, even thinking about them and, and thinking of that anger can still put you in that frame of mind where you're physically preparing for I. A fight. I think of grudges sort of as like a blood pressure issue, which I guess in some ways it is because it raises, but they always talk about how high blood pressure over time kind of erodes, you know, like can cause damage slowly. And I think of grudges sort of as the same way. That's just that kind of constant wearing down. Yes. Yeah. Which, and I don't have a lot of grudges, I don't think. Do you, do you consider yourself a grudge holder? Not really. Like, there are people that I should, probably should have grudges against, <laughs> and I've been told as much by other people, and I'm like, well, that's not really fair. There's no reason. People are like, so I'm just, like, I'm not necessarily, like, really, really quick to forgive, but I just, I don't have the energy. Well, and it actually does consume a lot of your brain to hold grudges, yeah. and one of the things that was interesting, which kind of taps into a conversation that you and I have had before where you've mentioned that you don't think you've got a very good um, sense, sense of self-preservation. <laughs> yes. yep. Yeah, so uh, that is actually part of it. Holding grudges is universal. It's not something that is just part uh, of our society. It's not something that like just Americans are good at. This is something that you see in all types of cultures because it's actually a way for people to remember others who have harmed them and so by remembering oh that is someone who hurt me in the past I can better prepare myself in the future so I think it's it's kind of like the the fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me um, but instead it's hurt me once shame on you hurt me twice shame on me because there's the thinking that you let them do it Sounds a little victim blamey the way I'm saying it, but that's not what I mean. The point is if you know that someone can be harmful to you, then sometimes it's helpful to develop behaviors that keeps them from continuing to harm you, like distancing yourself from them, not staying in a relationship yeah. with them or And I've I really only have like one long term like it I really still don't even consider it a grudge, but it's been an issue, an ongoing no longer friendship. And the first one or two times that I cut that person out, 
I basically, the reason they came back was because I was like, well, either they've changed or I wanted to extend the olive branch because it made other relationships smoother to have that person back in my life. Because you had mutual friends. Yeah. And I think it's been, I think the last time was the third or fourth go-round I finally figured out. This has been a long-term issue. This issue is not going to end, and this person is the way they are. Yeah. And at this point, I've not talked to that person in three or four years again. And it can be really hard to get to that point, I think, because you... I'm not the type of person who wants to be at odds with others. I don't enjoy cutting people out of my life. I do get a reach a point where a switch is flipped and I'm just done and so at that point I can reach a state where I'm like okay I'm, I can't do this anymore and I can extract myself right. and I don't necessarily think it depends on the situation there are some that I will still carry the anger over but I recognize that I need to stop because of it. it's not good for me I rarely in that case ever have any anger toward the person like they, just, they are the way they are and I don't think they can help it they do occasionally reach out to me still, and it's very difficult to see that stuff and just ignore it and not respond. But I yeah. figured out that that's... It's kind of one of those you give them just a little in, mm-hmm. and and they come crashing through, and I, it's just it's not worth it. Yeah, so. yeah. And so there, in that sense, sometimes holding a grudge can be a means of protecting yourself right but I think it's how you go about it so like you said at that point you don't really have anger anymore which is the good which would in theory that that should be the way you do it like not not constantly carrying that anger with you but remembering what happened well enough that you can recognize this needs to be done I can't be around this person and I'm gonna move on the problem comes in when you still remain very angry. And it's like that saying that, you know, holding a grudge or being angry at another person is like drinking poison and waiting for them to die. And I, you know, yeah, I get it. It's futile. Me being angry at someone else, especially someone who I'm no longer even in contact with, is not doing anything to them. They're not being hurt or harmed in any way, shape, or form. Especially if we're out of contact, they don't even know that I may still be mad at them. They have no idea. They're probably not even thinking about me. So me walking around mad at them is truly only hurting me. So I get it from a, like a cognitive standpoint. It makes sense. But trying to get my emotions to get on board is a completely different thing. Well, it's like so many other topics we've discussed. It's not necessarily rational. Exactly. You can realize that it's silly that you have that frustration and even that anger at the person still, and you can tell yourself that, but especially when it's one of those things where something just reminds you Mm -hmm. of a person or an incident and it immediately makes you angry, it's it's not rational. It's not voluntary. Yeah. It's the fight or flight thing. Yeah, because what you do is you're thrown right back into that moment where you were being attacked. Maybe not physically, but you were being attacked and the reaction that you had at that time comes back when you think about it again, which is why I, I grew up thinking that 
you know, that whole idea of, oh, you got to talk it out. You got to get it off your chest. Like you've got to sort of purge it from your system. Well, what I realized was I spent a lot of time talking about stuff that upset me and I wasn't feeling any better. And I'm like, this isn't fucking working. And so what happens is for me, there reaches a point where Yes, sometimes I need to vent and just kind of work out that initial reaction. Like when it first happens, I kind of have to like kind of vomit out that shitty, that the shitty feelings I'm having. It also helps to get other people's perspective to get a sense of whether or not I'm being fair in my reaction or if I'm being rational. I've done, I've done this with you. I've done a lot of people where I'm like, okay, so this over the top or being silly. Am I the asshole here? You know? And, and so I think that can be useful. But what I've discovered is that if I keep revisiting it, it's not, I'm not purging anymore. I'm actually just stoking the fire and I have to stop. Some of the, um, in the off and on years that I've done therapy, one of the things that I've seen a lot that talks about that similar kind of thing is co-rumination. When like you have to talk it out with other people all the time. Oh, and it says yeah. it basically goes from, you know, anything productive to, and a lot of people use that excuse and you're like, well, I'm discussing it you know, with other people and getting other people's yeah. perspective. Yeah. And it's like, that's fine. But if you do it with everybody you meet for like two years, it's gone past a sense of production. Can I say that I'm really embarrassed to admit that I did that very thing when I went through a breakup? I do a lot. <laughs> I do a lot of it and I'm very well aware of it. And I will even in the midst of it when I'm on like the eighth person I've talked to. Been yeah. Like, this isn't productive anymore. Yeah. You've heard pretty much every option you could hear like and you already know the answers now you just want to fester yeah and when i i remembered a point at which a co-worker had said something this was back when i was in college and somebody else came in and she was going through an issue and i was like yeah i kind of know how I, how you feel and then that my co-worker kind of said something about my breakup and what I was going through and her take on it and I was like oh shit I've really been talking about this too much when this person that I don't even know super well can recite knows the ins and outs right and I was like oh fuck I gotta stop and the thing is it's very hard when I'm upset about something it's very hard for me to not talk about it but there is a point at which I've gotten it off my chest and I have found that I don't want to talk about it anymore because I know how I am. I All those emotions are going to be dredged back up and I don't like feeling that way. And so there are certain stories that I'll yada, yada, yada through because either I'll avoid them altogether or if they come up, I have to give like the simplest abbreviated version because I know if I get into any detail I'm going to get just as mad <laughs> as I was right. when it happened and you're either going to end up angry or you're going to end up crying or both yeah 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 and I don't want to be that person like I don't want to carry the weight of that anger around with me because again it's not doing anybody any good and one of the other things that came up in the research is that when you're carrying around a grudge you tend to be more aggressive in general so not just toward the person that you're angry at but just everyone and I don't want to be that walking ball of anger. I'm gonna say people I know that are very prone to holding grudges whether they are, in my opinion, legit or not, I know people that have, you know, some grudges that... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. If I'd gone through that, I'm not sure I would be as sane or rational about it as they even are. Yeah. But a lot of the people I know that do hold on to, like, multiple grudges and very strong anger come off as that kind of person. Mm-hmm. They don't trust people 
They're quick to judge people. They're quick to assume that everything that happens is directed at them and that is not just, you know, coincidence or a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Everybody's out to get them. Well, that was something that came up was the idea of they define themselves by it. So a lot of people who hold these grudges then uh, then end up defining themselves through their victimhood. So someone did be wrong, and that becomes their entire identity as the wronged one. And it's not even just that situation, that person. It's I've been wronged by so many people in so many situations by life, by karma, by society, and it becomes who they are. And Yeah, every interaction they have, what would be a completely normal re- you know, interaction to one other person, to them, every little thing is scrutinized and looked at during and after with the microscope. Well, what they do is they just continue to feed that anger because if they are looking at everything that carefully, then that means that they're constantly looking for things to convince them that they're justified in their anger. And that's not to say they're not justified, but the fact is like when you when you carry it with you constantly and that's how you that's how you define yourself, then you're never going to be able to see anything through a more compassionate lens or through a lens that says, oh, maybe so that maybe that person who did something shitty, maybe it wasn't about me. Maybe it was actually about them. Right. And I, it incorrectly colors people's perceptions of how they're seen. Like mm-hmm. I think people assume, well, there's something wrong with me because everybody comes at me wrong and, you know, all of my interactions. So they still make it about them and the victimhood. Yeah. But... Just everything they do is, I I know people that were literally, I have never heard a story come out of their mouth where there wasn't something wrong. It can be something as simple as, I went to go get breakfast yesterday morning, and it turns into like a 15-minute long story <laughs> about one little thing that was the main focus of their anger and that seemed wrong. Like somebody gave me a blueberry muffin when I wanted a raisin muffin, and what's that about? Yeah, do I'm they like, hate? Why me? do they hate me? <laughs> why has God forsaken me? And I, my thing is, I'm like, I'm really lazy. I don't have the energy. Yeah, like I'm too busy, like overthinking the things that I've said and done. Yes, I don't have the energy to overthink what people have said and done to me. See, I and I have a long memory. For both, unfortunately. So I have, I kind of, I guess, hold a grudge against myself because there are many things that I like to beat myself up for that happened years and years ago. And there are things that happened years and years ago that I still kind of hold against others. And there, you know, I've had situations play out. I had one in particular that was over 20 years ago. And like, the way it played out, I still remember a lot of it. And even though, like, I can think about it and I can refer to it and I'm not angry in this moment, but I do still have kind of, like, a little knot. Like, there's that part of me that still is, like, that was fucked up and that wasn't fair. <laughs> I also beat myself up for the for my role in contributing to the situation. But the person who I had the issue with, I've had opportunities to, like, reach out and reconnect with and have been, like, Nah, I'm good. Like, I don't trust the way that... I don't like how that person handled that situation, and it makes me think that I can't trust them. And I also have become harder on myself 
in situa similar situations to make sure that I don't repeat the same behavior that I did in that one to, to contribute to it because I don't want that to happen again. Yeah. And again, that the thing of self-preservation yeah. very much so. Avoiding, even if it's a different person, it's a different situation when there are similarities between things that have happened and things that are, you know, happening. I think your brain goes to, oh, wait, this mm -hmm. is very familiar. Yep. How do I make sure that this isn't as familiar as it was, or what I'm thinking, deja vu kind of thing? Yeah, it, it perceives a threat. It says, oh, we've, we've had this kind of threat before. We've been in this situation before, and it turned into something bad. So that little red flag goes up, and you're like, oh, shit, you know, is this going to happen the same way? What can I do to keep it from going bad again? But what I've also had to learn was sometimes you can't do anything because sometimes it isn't about you. And if it's complete, <laughs> when it involves another person or persons, it's, you're not the only one controlling things. Right. So you can't tell someone, hey, don't do this thing I think you're about to do. I mean, you can, but everybody's going to be like, oh. Is right wrong with her <laughs> so sometimes you have to you do your end you react or handle it the way you can mm -hmm. and you hope the yeah. other person handles it okay or it doesn't go as horribly awry as yeah and i to a certain degree what it can do is if you've recognized that there was um maybe a personality characteristic that contributed to that person behaving in that way avoid people who might have that same characteristic. I admit that I've had enough situations with people who, again, kind of define themselves by victimhood, and so nothing's ever their fault. When I talk to someone who, and, and like over a period of time, every time they tell you something's gone wrong or they're always having trouble with other people, and it's always the other people, like there's no recognition of their role in the problem. Right. It's all because everyone else is an asshole. Those are After, the people that you certainly are like, oh, this oh, is a person I don't necessarily want to interact with regularly. Right, because at what point am I going to become the asshole then? Because you know that's what's going to happen. If they have trouble with everybody they know, eventually they're going to have trouble with you. And it's always one of those, you also get people like that where you think that, and at some point somebody tells, that person tells you a story, and it's something to the equivalent of them complaining about someone, and something they say kind of clicks that in their head mm -hmm. that you may think you're going to be then like, oh, I would never have a problem with you. Where they say stuff like that and you're like, yeah, I think, okay, I think you I could. <laughs> You've had a problem and with everyone. And the fact everyone. that you're specifically <laughs> telling me that concerns me even more. Yeah. No, you've had a problem with every person you've ever met. There's a damn good chance that I'm going to come up. My name will come up in the lottery. So maybe I just need to sort of take a step back because I don't want that to happen. I don't want to invite that kind of chaos into my life. But, you know, there's a, there's a great saying uh, that I read on the internet one day, which is if every room you walk into smells like shit, check your own shoes. <laughs> it's not always because someone's just smearing shit on you. Like you, it's not always somebody else. You're the problem. Right. So it's not always that someone else smells like shit or it's not that someone's making you smell like shit. Like you may be the shit. Your shit. <laughs> your shit. <laughs> But, it, but that's really important to be able to recognize because if you really are the one who's causing the problems, when you realize that, then you have the power to fix it. So, and we've talked about this before. 
The idea of victimhood is you are giving away every bit of power that you have. So you might, you might be able to elicit sympathy and you might get people to pay attention to you and feel sorry for you. And I don't mean to imply that when people have genuinely been victims of something that they need to suck it up and get over with. That's not what not I'm... the same thing. No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about people who've, again, have had some issues but have just taken on this, this personality and this definition of being the perpetual victim because it works for them in some way. Because they... they so they create all this drama and they, they, they constantly define themselves in, in a light for the sole purpose of getting responses from other people. And eliciting the sympathy right. and the, oh, you're so strong, you can... Right. So when it's manufactured is what I'm saying. I'm not talking about people who are genuine victims because right. absolutely they deserve to have that and deal with it and they deserve sympathy and they deserve help. I'm talking about people who manufacture this persona of the victim or and sometimes it's the survivor you know because they want to prove to everyone how strong they are but then they have to constantly be showing how first they were victimized so then they can show everybody how strong they are because they overcame it exactly and again it's the manufactured and a lot of times you know from an outsider's perspective you're looking at this and you're like that's not a big deal like I'm confused as to why you think that you were <laughs> victimized yeah, that because they didn't minor. want to take your re- return, you know, because you had to fight to get your money back at a store or something. They didn't give you ketchup at the restaurant. Right. And it's, you know, there's, so it's, it's when it's exaggerated and when it's obviously done for the purpose of manipulating others. That's when I have a problem with it. And I understand why people do it because it's a really easy way, one, to not have to take responsibility for anything because it's always somebody else's fault, which how freeing is that when you don't you have, have no responsibility? Right. You're Nothing's wrong with you. Everything is wrong with everyone else. Exactly. And it does get you and for people who haven't recognized that, oh, this person is a, a perpetual victim and, and this is just what they do right. to get attention. There are a lot of people who were like, oh, I'm so sorry. And they'll offer that attention and how, that and, and how can I help you? What can I do to fix it? Yes, that's the other thing, too, is you can get people who will come in, like want to swoop in and do things because they feel sorry for you. And then, again, you don't have to do as much. You don't have to be responsible for things. You don't have to pay for things. You Whatever it is, it gets you off the hook. But it also, as I said, is completely unempowering it means that you never have the ability to solve anything because you're just the constant victim everyone's out to get you there's no there's no point in trying to improve anything or trying to make changes because this is who you are and this is where you're always going. yeah yeah and it's and it completely which i that by itself i guess also qualifies as you know freeing and that lack of just I suppose, yeah. but that also means... I don't have to try anything because it's not going to go the way I wanted to anyway, so why bother? Yeah, but then you're you're just stuck in a shitty place. Right. With shit on your shoes. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and everybody in the room was staring at you because you smell. And they want you to clean your own goddamn shoes. But just, instead, just once. <laughs> just once. Clean not even every day, just once. Give it a whirl, see if you like it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I can't imagine... 
wanting to stay in that place because I would rather be able to look at a situation and say, okay, here's how I contributed to it so I can keep this from happening again and so I can fix it. Yes, it's kind of nice to sit there for a while and be like, those people, those motherfuckers did me <laughs> wrong and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be angry about it and I'm going to wallow in it for a little bit. Absolutely do that. But there reaches a point where you really just got to get up and move on because otherwise you're going to be miserable. Yeah, and you're just sitting there pissed off and... At people who very likely are gone on and lived their lives and forgotten yeah. about you. Exactly. <laughs> and don't care if you're yeah. mad. And have no idea that you hold this issue against them or... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unless you're actively taking vengeance upon them, then they're they're not affected Which by your anger. <laughs> is an option, I suppose. Yes, it is. And I have more than once joked about different ways that I could take anger out on people, and I still stand by the rubbing dog shit underneath someone's car door handle. And I, and I get the drive for vengeance, and that is something that in our culture we're really big on, because if you look at stories we tell in books we have, we love people who've been wronged and go out and do terrible things to oh, the yeah. people who wronged them. I mean, we the, love it. Yeah, like the number of movies I've watched last... Netflix is big on movies where people get vengeance, I've noticed. They're, they're, they're very fond of like the Netflix originals where like this thing happened and then somebody goes insane. Obviously, I can't complain because I've watched every single one of them <laughs> to see if it's any different than the last six that they made. Yeah, and they never are. But you know, yeah, we we crave that, and maybe because your average person isn't thinking to themselves like, "Yes, I'm going to go do that." So it's nice that you can watch something around. Like, yeah, oh, that person's doing that thing that I would like to do. Yeah, but I'm not a sociopath. We you can live vicariously through right, them. Right, that's and they're saying it. You know, I'm trying to think now if I've actually taken my revenge. I think the extent of the revenge that I've taken on anybody is to just be done with them. And I don't really think that's revenge. I'm not going to lie. There have been some times where I will not be shy about telling certain people like, oh, yeah, Oh, so you brought up this person. Let me tell you what this person did because I want you to understand what an asshole they are. I think that's probably the extent of any thing I've done, too, is just like, this person sucks, and when someone else brings them up, I'm going to inform them yeah. that this person sucks. And that, I can't think of anything I've done. Were you actually, t yeah. Yeah. I've never, yeah. It's not, it's not in me. I'm not. I have the desire, and I may even fantasize about it, but yeah, I don't, I won't actually do anything. And I even understand that in situations where you're talking bad about somebody else, that you're, you can also be harming yourself because the person you're talking to may very well just be sitting there listening to your tirade thinking... Jesus Christ, I understand why this other person fucked him over because this, this bitch is, is fucking angry and crazy. Right, and yeah, and you don't know how another person that hears those stories is, is perceiving, you know, they could be thinking, oh, this person's tacky. Even if they agree with your side, they can be thinking, this person's tacky as fuck. Like, yeah, for, for doing that, yeah, because it can reflect badly on you because you look like you're being tasteless or you're trying to sabotage somebody else, and that can come off as That's actually nasty. reminds me, I read something a couple weeks ago, and it's said that like, the, one of the worst things you can do during a job interview is badmouth your former employer oh, yeah. or your former boss. Like even things as casual as like, well, I didn't really know how to run things. <laughs> you know, yeah. said, that's actually considered, you know, don't do that. That's a bad idea. And I mean, that 
kind of falls in there. Like, it can be perceived incorrectly depending on the situation you're in. It reflects on you. Right. You're trying to bash the other person, but what you're really doing is is making yourself look look bad. And I think that happens a lot when people start dating and the person that you're with, they are bashing the ex, especially when all of them, this is something that happens a lot in our culture. I think we're like, guys will refer to their exes as crazy. And I've seen women say, the moment that I meet a guy, like when they're asked about red flags, the moment that this guy starts talking about his ex-girlfriend as being crazy, that's a red flag for me. Because then I'm like, well, what did you do to make her crazy? Or why do you feel the need to cast her in that light? Or even talk about it at all. And I would say the same thing goes for women. I'm not trying to pick on men here. I'm just picking on like the crazy ex-girlfriend stereotype. I mean, fuck, it's even a television show mocking exactly mocking that cliche. But anybody who who engages in bashing of an ex, especially when they're trying to court a new person, terrible idea. Yeah, it, it doesn't come off well <laughs> generally. Because it makes you look angry and spiteful. It also kind of looks like you're not over that person and you're probably not ready to be dating again. Right. Especially if it's like, you know, two or three dates in. Yeah. You do it every time and you're kind of like, I can't help but notice you keep talking about this person you don't date anymore. Yeah. This person could be you hate. Interacting with me. Right. You suppose. Yeah. And so that's definitely a situation. Although I've had situations where there's been mutual friends, though, and that tendency I think you and I even had a conversation once where somebody else who was kind of out of the loop about a situation I'd had with someone and they were kind of hanging around that person. And I was like, should I tell them that they maybe shouldn't trust this person? Do they know the details of our falling out and do they need to? And I was like, you know what? No, I, I have to trust that this mutual friend is, is savvy enough and mature enough to figure this out on their own. And it's not my place to go around trying to sabotage somebody's friendships just because I don't like that person and I don't trust them. <laughs> unless it's unless it's someone that I've been, like, involved with and I intimately know, like, that person's a piece of shit. Yeah. I try to be... I'm, I've been better about it. I actually had an, inc- an inc- incident recently where a friend asked me about someone that... I knew, and that person happened to date another friend a long time mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. And my initial reaction was to say, well, this person's done this, this, and this. And I was like, overall, this person isn't horrible, but I have a feeling that this person, these two people are not going to be a right. match. But I instead left it at, yeah, that person's fun. They're interesting. See what happens. Yeah. And that was not my initial reaction. Yeah. And I and that was like a real, you know, not anything that I had a grudge against that person or a problem with that person. Right. You just had some info. Right. And I've tried to be very good the last few years about that. Like, people will figure these things out on their own. If this person is legitimately a bad person, yeah, they'll figure it out. And if, you know, that person's not a bad person, then you misunderstood something or they've changed maybe. Right. So I try not to offer the extra because I know when people tell me things about people no matter how much I think I do or don't like the person, that colors any interaction I have with them later. Absolutely. I don't want to do that to other people. Like, you can make your own decisions. You can figure out whether or not you hate this person on your own. Yeah. Although I'm not going to lie. And then we can bond over that discovery (laughs) that 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 person is awful. And you can be like, well, I wanted to tell you, but I thought you should... You're an adult, and it just made me look like an asshole if I had told you. Like, yeah, you don't, because especially you can come off as gossipy and petty. Right. I think if it's something 
like really concerning like yeah they're like a, a heroin addict or they beat the shit out of somebody let's like, say if there's a danger aspect or something yeah. that could you know put you like where i've had you know mutual friends that i've known of and like it turns out that they all unbeknownst to each other are sleeping with the same person yeah <laughs> that kind of thing like i'm not gonna say anything to anyone unless there's an ins and a case of hey i've heard that so and so sleeping with someone that may have an std they're not things just like safe. yeah things like that that are more like i'm not telling you anything specific about any specific person i'm giving you a heads up that i just hope you're being responsible just, for yourself yes. because you should be just practice safe sex which yes. is good across the board for anyone in right. any situation wrap it up kids that's right but that and that's a really precarious situation to be in because you don't want to sound again like you don't want to you don't want to sound gossipy and you don't want to like reveal something that could be really damaging to someone's life something that's very private but then there's this desire to protect someone and that's but that's not coming from a place of anger so yeah. that's kind of a separate situation right and i so if i feel myself wanting to to reveal something because i'm coming from a place of anger then I'm like, okay, you need to not do that. Like, you're not doing this for the other person and for their own good. You're doing, doing it for it. you. Exactly. And that's, I feel like I've matured enough that I can hit the pause button and say, all right, Amanda, why do you really want to tell this person this thing? Is this going to benefit anyone? Right. You've got Other than make you feel better that you're like, ha! Sharing this stuff. Someone else knows they're an asshole. Exactly. Ha! And to be honest, though, I, I, this is something that I struggle with a lot. If I don't like someone because they've done something terrible to me, I don't want any of my friends to like them either. I don't think that's unreasonable, <laughs> though, really. Even if they were friends, too, or even if they were friends first, like, I have a real pro. I have probably an unrealistic expectation of loyalty in regards to that. And it's funny because I was just having a conversation with my daughter the other day where she was talking about it bothered her um, that she was upset with someone because of the way they treated her, but someone else she knew didn't, wasn't phased by it. And she's like, doesn't it bother you that they treated this other person like shit or that they treated me badly? Isn't that enough to make you not like this person? And the other person was like, no, as long as they're okay. And to they me. haven't done anything to me. And I get, and on one hand, that sounds very kind of like adult like well no i'm not going to judge someone for the way they treat others but i think there's a certain point where if someone hurts someone you love it's okay to be like you know what i'm not super cool with you because you did something shitty to someone i care about right. like i can see you know if it's something where you guys had a disagreement about something and it was merely a matter of opinion yeah. and that was a fallout okay but if it's an a situation where the other person badmouthed you to someone or badmouthed you to you, just like told you you were a shitty yeah. person and was just cruel. Yeah, that's different. Like, I don't generally want to be friends with or necessarily even cordial yeah. to people that have been absolutely awful to one of my friends. I'm like, that person takes my, pri you know, yeah. that person takes priority in my life. I won't be like upfront nasty to a person, but I'm not going to go out of my way to be like, hey, let's have lunch. Yeah. Let's make fun. And, and I think it's harder when, like, you're friends with both of them, though, because then you're stuck in the middle. So you know this someone you're good friends with did something shitty to another person you're good friends with. And at that point, who do you 
choose. I have a tendency to be like, it, depending on the transgression, I can very much be like, no, I'm done with that person. Because for me, it's also, again, kind of a, a safety thing, uh, not in terms of like, oh, they're going to harm me physically, but in terms of if they did that, if they're capable of doing that really terrible thing to, to someone I know and I knew that they cared about, then they are just as capable of doing that terrible to, thing to, to me. You. So it certainly makes me want to distance myself. And especially when it's things where it involves private situations or private information and the person, you know, uses that knowledge. Oh, yeah. And then you worry, like, that person knows things about me, you know. And yes. yeah, That makes you... So, of course, but that then puts you in that fine place of, like, I don't want to anger this person, but I also don't want to continue to interact with this person. Right. So then you have that fine line of, how do I... How do I back away from this person yes. without angering them and them doing to me what they did to the other person? Yeah. you Because you don't want them to turn their ire on you because you don't know what could happen. So, right. yeah, that's a very delicate situation as as well. And that's why, like, you just have to be really careful with who you tell your dirt to because you don't want Which somebody I throwing should, it in your face. I should learn <laughs> at my ripe age because I tell everybody everything and then worry when people that I don't want to have information have information. Yeah. Like, I wonder who told them. It could be any number of people. Yeah, certainly it wasn't I. It could be someone who looked on your fucking Facebook page at this point. Exactly, because, yeah. Uh, there was one time, though, a situation where um, I saw you kind of turn turn that corner with someone who I um, wasn't very fond of where you witnessed them making a kind of a nasty crack about me and I remember you reached out and you were like it, I, it really bothered you because you even texted me after it happened and you're like yeah so this thing just happened and it really pissed me off. I was literally sitting in the same room still and like I messaged you and probably had I thought about it for a split second longer I may not have messaged you. <laughs> In the heat of it to been like, oh my god, this person just said this thing about you because that probably, like, in retrospect, I think if that had been tables turned, uh-huh. I would have been like, I don't want to know that. But I or remember, aren't you going to kick him in the nuts? But I remember <laughs> it being said and just kind of sitting there and being like, holy shit. Like, I could see doing that if everyone in the vicinity disliked that person. Yeah. Or had a pro- but it was very obvious there were people there that liked you know liked in that instance you mm-hmm. and had no and was like that's the kind of thing you make a comment of when people that like this person aren't there and it was a low blow too it was it, it was a pretty mean it was yeah. yeah it was it was make it was basically mocking a situation that was incredibly painful that this person had very carefully orchestrated exactly and then kind of gaslighted me about it which it took me a while to realize because for a long time I was beating myself up and it took other people to go no I think you were actually justified in that like I knew I was angry but after the fact I was like no maybe I'm overreacting and it took even more time to go oh wait no I I, I did have a right that, to be good <laughs> but that person convinced me I was over yeah. wait a minute and I, I certainly handled parts of, of that entire situation poorly which gave them more fuel for their fire but at the end of the day, like that very situation was was proof that I I wasn't totally crazy that that person was not that person was <laughs> not kind kind of evil, yes. for lack of a better word, and had had and had intentionally, uh, kind of, um, driven me away. So yeah, that's <laughs> and that's one of those things that I kind of that 
particular situation is one that I kind of had to just stop talking about for a while because I was like, every time I talk about this, it makes me angry. I still get kind of irked about it, but not nearly as much as I used to. But that is one thing where if I were to attempt forgiveness, I think I would still struggle. Now, if someone gives me a genuine apology, I am very good at forgiveness. Like the moment someone goes, oh shit, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's totally fine. Like I, I didn't even care, right? Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I just shanked you and I, I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, it's okay. It's, it's when they It's when they apologize, but they're still shanking you. And they're like, I'm so sorry I'm stabbing you. That's Like I said, it has to be a genuine yeah. apology. That one's one of them. I'm like, who are you apologizing right. to? No, they have to mean it and they have to stop doing the thing that's <laughs> Oh, that otherwise, but I'm very good at forgiving. It's incredibly hard though when people don't apologize. I that's when my grudge kicks in, and I will carry it. And for the longest time, I kind of carried it like a prize. Like, look at this amazing grudge <laughs> I have. I can tell you everything that happened in this situation. It's a multifaceted <laughs> story. It has twists and and turns. And, and I, everyone's involved. And I remember. Everything I can tell you. I can tell you dates, times, uh, what they were wearing, what they smelled like, what they like ate. Shit, like the shitty person <laughs> they are. Like, they smelled like evil and betrayal and sweat. Yeah, and and part of it was because like if I remember this, I can protect myself. But at the same time, it was almost like a sense of pride. And I think a lot of people in our culture do carry grudges with pride. Oh, like, yeah. you can't walk all over me because I will remember. Yeah, I will always remember. Yeah, and... And, that, and so much of that is, that, you know, it'll never happen again. That's never going to happen again. And again, while it's great that you're protecting yourself, it, it can go the wrong way. Right, because if that's how you define yourself, then you can never quit being angry. Right. You never give yourself permission to forgive and move on because that's who you are. You're the person who was wronged. You're the victim. And you may also be a survivor, but you're a survivor who remembers everything about that person who fucked you over. And you will tell anyone who's willing to sit down and listen. <laughs> and I really had to work not to be that person and recognize those cues in the person I'm talking to where their eyes get a little glassy and I'm like, oh shit, I've I'm doing that thing. <laughs> I need to stop talking well, about this. It can go any way because I tend to be more forgiving. And then you also have that thing of where, okay, well this person's not a victim. This person's a doormat. <laughs> so yes. then you get the thing where like you're telling people a story and you're like, well, I really think it was misunderstood. And you, you see that look in their eye where they're like, this stupid bitch. <laughs> like, you told me this story 12 times before, but it involved different people every time. Like, you keep doing the same yes. thing. Quit forgiving people. Yeah. So. And, and in that instance, that's the other side of it, too. Like, there's the people who do it as, like, a feel sorry for me. but And, and then there are the people who almost don't even realize it. And then you want to look at them and go, why grow a fucking spine? Like, I have a really... My mother actually has said that to me verbatim. Has she? Yes. I, I, no, I've not... Multiple <laughs> times in the last few years, so... Well, kudos for her yeah. for being... It's honest. not worth it. <laughs> she has said it to me. Still spineless. Yeah, still spine. Still totally... They don't make a pill for that, so until they do, I'm not going to have a spine. I'll, I, I've not seen that side of, of you. Like, I'll see you doing stuff where I'm like... I wish Stephanie would stop being so self-destructive, but I don't see it as spineless. I see it as like you giving in to something because it's easier. It makes you feel good, even if you know it's not good for you. Yeah. 
and, not, and that's and that's where a lot of it is. But it's kind of things like where you know, oh, well, this person or these people are taking advantage. I'm like, no, they're not. I'm uh, like, no, they are. <laughs> no, like I, for as cynical a person as I am, I deep down trust people and kind of think that by and large people are good, which yeah. is strange because really when I am talking, I don't actually feel that way. I think people are horrible. But my actual feeling, apparently, is that, no, nobody does things to hurt people on purpose. Yeah. My, and I, so I, for, I forgive people too easily and then wonder, like, oh, why does this thing keep happening yeah. to me? I, I, and I admit that I'm not very forgiving to people who are doormats either. Uh, when, when someone's constantly kind of, like, letting people walk all over them, I, I have a really hard time respecting that. And... I get very kind of bitchy about it. Like, will you just shut the fuck up and just stop it, yeah. you know? Like, quit doing this thing. It's yes. so obvious. It's so fucking pathetic. Will you just stop? Like, quit worrying about people liking you and just fucking take care of yourself. But I also understand that tendency to, like, try to avoid conflict and to want people to like you and I want people to like me too. But there's also certain people I don't care if they like me because I don't like them. <laughs> So for those, I'm like, yeah, well, it's fine. I don't really mind. But I, so I, while I understand it, I have very little patience with that side of things, with people who are the victim in terms of always letting people walk over them. And again, but that's kind of a different one for me as well. That's people on a lot of times who are conflict avoidant or don't have very good self-esteem. And I consider that a completely different thing than the people who are like, look at me, I'm a victim, come feel sorry for me. Like that's a, that's a manipulation. Yeah, as opposed to, yeah. And attention seeking as opposed to people who unfortunately just don't feel like they deserve to be treated better and so they let people treat them badly. Right. And I, I feel sorry for it and I feel compassion for it, but then I also get to the point where I'm like, God, you are, you are worthy, you know, like you are doing this to yourself. (laughs) You is good. You is smart. Like (laughs) you deserve better. And then I get mad at that person for not demanding better. Right. But that's not good either. Like me getting mad at them isn't going to help, but I'm also. But if you get a grudge against their stupid decisions. Right. Now they need to have a grudge against their stupid decisions. So maybe they'll stop making. So maybe if I could transfer my anger at it. should make some kind of a system for that if i could transfer anger and outrage that would really help like just give give some of it away hand it away yes you need some of my anger and outrage so that you can stand up for you are not you are not functioning the way i think you can please take this yes please do this thing and i have an abundance (laughs) (laughs) i have more than i need and that's why uh, forgiveness is very hard for me. Like I said, if it's a genuine apology from people, then I'm very good at letting go. The people who either don't think they did anything wrong or have just gone away without admitting it and apologizing, those are the ones that tend to fester with me. And I have a really hard time. And I know it would be healthier for me. I did see something once years ago that Oprah said, which, you know, I don't watch a lot of Oprah, but she is perfection. <laughs> She's pretty, pretty fucking awesome. And she said something once about people mistake forgiveness as being a single act. Like you make up your mind once, like, all right, I forgive you. And then you're done. And it's like this magical uh, absolution where that person no longer makes you angry and no longer makes you feel hurt and everything's rainbows and sunshine. And that's not what it is. Forgiveness is actually something you have to practice over and over and over again until you finally reach the point where 
you have absolutely forgiven them and that and I try to practice it so like if I know I'm holding a grudge and then that person comes up I try to it usually starts with just not thinking about it like nope not gonna think about this not doing that that's like the first step for me and then I can get to the point where I'm like okay maybe if I understand why they did what they did I can feel compassion for them and I can forgive them and so I try to ask myself why why would they have done this um, maybe they're coming from a place of hurt or insecurity, and so maybe I can have compassion for that. Maybe not for them yet, but for that situation. Sometimes that helps, and then then I can kind of get to the point where I'm like, okay, I forgive them, and I'm actually trying to say it in my head and believe it, which is really hard. But it, it's something that I have to practice at. It's I not say, I yeah, can do. If you repeat it over and over, then yeah, maybe it takes takes hold at some point. I hope so, because there's still some <laughs> grudges that I'm, <laughs> I'm bearing. But I do, and I understand that forgiveness is necessary. I have to say, as I mentioned before, though, I think that I'm the person who I'm the worst at forgiving. There's certain memories of things I've said or done that are just like these perfectly encapsulated bubbles of pain that every once in a while will float to the surface and I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that time I was such a fucking asshole or I didn't do something I should have or I was selfish. And especially if it's something involving my kids, it it's so hard for me. And I've even... Well, yeah, and especially because in that, in your, you don't necessarily see a reason to forgive yourself. So every time that thought comes back, you just think about all the reasons that it was so awful yeah. that you did it. So you don't say to yourself you know I did it because of this or I was feeling that way and I recognized that it was a bad decision or a bad move on my part you just go oh my god that because you're thinking about the effect it had on the other person or yeah. the other persons you're not thinking about you know I made a mistake right and that's something that Steve will say to me a lot when I'm sort of flagellating myself over <laughs> something I said or did and he'll say all the time you're you're too hard on yourself and I'm like but I have to be, like, I feel like I have to hold myself to a certain standard so I don't turn in to a raving asshole. I want to be a good person. I want to be a kind person. I'm not always good at being a nice person, but, you know, Those aren't, niceness yeah. is kind of superficial. Yeah, so kind <laughs> and nice aren't the same thing. Right. So if I can, I'm not always great at niceness, but I, I can strive toward kindness and, and patience and not giving in to my desire to blurt or blow up in situations where I'm being, you know, poked when a particular thing of, of mine is being, I hate to use the term trigger because it's such a, but you know what I mean. When yeah. like it's a, it's that soft spot that elicits an immediate reaction. If I don't hold myself accountable, then I can just be like, well, it's okay to say or do whatever the fuck you want. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You're, it's fine. You don't take responsibility for that. Go ahead. Right. And I don't want to be that person because as we talked about earlier, I mean, we've seen them. It, yeah. You don't grow. You don't evolve. And you can become insufferable to people right. who are around you. At the same time, I think if you're a person that thinks that way, that you're kind of safely out of that happening because you do think about the things you've done. Yeah. And maybe you don't need to as you said, flagellate yourself over it. You yeah. could just, you know, be like, oh, yeah, that thing. Like, you would still be a good person. You would still be growing just by remembering it, not just by going like, oh, I'm such a piece of shit. Yeah. And I 
and I've but gone, that's easier said than done. It is, and, and I've gone through times where I've handled things badly and have been called out for it. And to be quite honest, there's there's one that I almost wish I was still. There are times when I was wish I was still friends with certain people because the relationship ended at a time where I wasn't going through what I wasn't doing well and I wasn't behaving very well because I was dealing with some sort of conflict or loss. Right, and. Part of me kind of wishes that I was still friends with certain people from those times so they could see, like, see, guys, I'm not... That wasn't me. Right. That was me in a bad spot. But I feel like now, I, in their eyes, I'm defined by the that shithead I was thing. because of the situation I was in. And it's like, look, guys, I'm, I'm but not that really says, an asshole. <laughs> at the same time, that says more about that person or those people than it does you, that they... Especially, especially when it's someone that you've known, for them to decide that one thing was a defining moment when they know better than that, yeah. that says more about the other person. Yeah, and I suppose so. And I mean, and I'm also talking about things that happened like 20 years ago. And yeah. we, I was a fucking kid, or like 25 years ago even is one thing that I can think of. Like I, I can pull stuff up from fucking middle school that I did that I was like, Jesus Christ, Amanda, you were a real dick. <laughs> and I have to remind myself, you were also a fucking kid. Yeah. And kids, right? Kids are dicks. I think right. I've said that before. Yeah. It's and especially around that like middle school age where you're so fo- like you're so self-centered and oh, yeah. it's so hard Wait, to Wait, is that supposed anything. to stop in middle school? Um Oh god. No, that's just when it starts. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh good. So I can still do it. You can still do it. I mean, people might talk about you behind your back because of it, but you can still be that way. I'm okay with that. I like attention. Uh. Whether it's good or bad. Well, let's face it. Bad attention is a fuck ton easier to get than good attention. That is true. Because to get good attention, you actually have to be like exceptional at something. Like you have to be talented or really attractive or be really funny. And that funny. sounds like too much pressure. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Whereas to get bad attention, you can just do you make terrible choices or I've be, be awful. I've, I've always <laughs> said I'd rather be a bad example than a or a bad warning than a. I don't know. A good example. <laughs> I think I get what you're saying, though, but in theory, you're still being helpful because you're demonstrating what not to do. Right. <laughs> Don't be me. I'm still teaching. I'm just doing it by <laughs> a bad way. It's like Goofus and Gallant. I don't know if you ever remember that from the Highlights magazine. Oh, God, I do not. Oh, my God. I feel like I show my age. Like, I know I'm 10 years older than you, but by and large, when we talk, I don't feel like there's an age gap. But every once in a while, I'll make these references to things, and I see this blank look on your face, and I'm like, fuck, I forgot I'm a decade older I may than not her. Just, I just may not be observant because I've read highlights in the last few years. So They might. They probably not, like, just for fun. <laughs> I should clarify that. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, no shame. Like, the, like, the pictures where you have to tell what's different between the two. Like, that's kind of fun, you know? And it's good. Like, it helps your observation skills. They have sticker things now where you put, like, sticker puzzle pieces. It's kind of awesome. See? I don't think there's anything wrong with being interested in highlights as an adult. But they used to have this cartoon thing called, like, Goofus and Gallant. You can tell how old it was that they would have even used those terms. I was going to say Gallant by itself is, like, real. It's a pretty antiquated term. Yeah. And so what they would do, it was, it was, uh basically trying to teach kids how to behave in different situations and so like goofus always washes his hands before he has dinner gallant doesn't goofus always thanks his mom when she packs his lunch gallant doesn't or no i'm sorry i'm getting this i feel like it should be the other way (laughs) maybe this is what's wrong with my life is that i (laughs) i'm like 
dogs and everything. Like, but that makes Gallant sound like the asshole. And I'm like, I mean, I guess that's... Oh, this explains so much about my bad behavior. I was supposed to be doing what... <laughs> I was supposed to be Gallant! Not Goofy. <laughs> this solves so many mysteries. Dear God. Uh, so yeah, I totally fucked that up. But you, yeah, so Goofus was always the one who was like basically an inconsiderate shithead, and Gallant was always annoyingly polite. Right. But the, they were trying to teach kids through setting a good example, but also by showing them yeah. the bad. Example. You don't want like in a story like you know, you don't want to be that person. That person seems awful, right? And like forget kids and hell, even adults. Yeah, you have to make it that black and white. Like, nah, I don't want to be that person. That person's awful. That other one seems okay. But the thing is, we do still, because of our obsession with fame, when people become famous for doing something terrible, instead of us going, hey, that's a goofus, let's not be like that, we should be like gallant. We're like, hey, but goofus is fucking famous, so maybe. (laughs) And entertaining. Right. But then that whole... Because let's be honest, doing the right thing and being decent is not... It's entertaining a lot of the time. It's kind of boring. Yeah. But that's why we can watch shows where we, like Shameless is a really good example, where you can see people doing terrible things, but that's what makes it entertaining. Although there are even things on there that I struggled with, because I'm like, okay, this is almost too terrible for me, that it's not entertaining anymore. Uh, But I think that everybody has their own benchmark for that like a point at where it's not funny it's just terrible yeah. and everybody has to kind of define that for themselves just pick the uh yeah that line yeah but i think honestly that that happens i think with serial killers too and i'm seeing a lot of conversations about ted bundy because you know they're bringing out this biopic with uh zach efron in it and they they're talking about how they're portraying him as someone who's like really charming and yeah. charismatic and handsome and so people are like that are very disturbed by that because he's a horrible fucking person and he did terrible terrible things but then casting him in this light there people are concerned that it's going to you know make people enamored with him instead of abhorrent and at the same time because i did want because they released the the new um series like ted bundy tapes thing on netflix yeah and i did watch that the day that came out um and he's so fucking arrogant and smarmy, which I never knew before until I listened to Well, and to that's him. the thing. And I, there's, there's two ways of looking at it. Because on one hand, there is something to the fact that women found him attractive. Women thought he yeah. was charismatic. Women thought he, thought he was charming. Um, that's how he was able to, that's to get them in, able to rope them in. do that stuff. And so on one hand, you do want that to be portrayed. You want people to see that, you know... He had friends. He was going to, you know, yeah, it was night school, but he was going to law school. People perceived him to be normal and attractive. But there is something to the fact that he, to making sure that he is, on one hand, portrayed that way so that people see this is how easy it is for someone to sneak into your life or to wiggle their way yeah. in there and for them to seem normal and to seem fine. Those are the ones you really have to be concerned about. Right, because no one in a million years, you know, they, and the thing on Netflix, they talk to old friends, they interview people that had known him, and, like, no one, and none of them really seemed like they were horribly shocked, but I also think that's because it's been 30 years at right. this point, so it's now, it's like, you know, like, we kind of accepted it. Yeah. 
But no one, this wasn't some random dude who lived in a park and slept in a tent and hitchhiked everywhere and had no friends and never bathed and looked like a nut job. Right. He looked like a normal dude. So there's a difference between making sure that that portrayal is accurate so people understand this is how easy it was in some ways for him to do this and not romanticizing it. Yeah. And that is one thing, like on one hand with the movie coming out with Zac Efron, he looks spot on to the point where I'm like, that's concerning. But it's also Does he have a unibrow in it? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> but it's also a little bit worrisome because Zach Efron is generally considered to be somewhat of a heartthrob and yeah. kind of hot. And it's all still sending the wrong... Like, yeah, I mean, they made him look like him, but lots of people lust after Zach Efron. So putting him in a role playing somebody that people have twisted around to kind of lust after yeah. does send a mixed signal. Yeah, and this and this isn't the first time that serial killers have gotten acclaimed. There are a lot of women who are drawn to men in yeah. prison, and and that's you know that that's not through how they were portrayed. There are some people who are just, just attracted and, to that. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, be they serial killers or serial killers that have sort of created a cult, they're charismatic, right? You know, and they feed on the people that would fall for that stuff, right? And because of their and so I do understand the need to portray him in that way because we do need to have a better understanding of the fact that people who are truly psychopathic are very good at appearing to be normal and that's how they get you in. And in fact, they know they're going to be forgiven more because they're good looking and charismatic. So they can do really shitty things, but if you're good looking and you're charming, then people will overlook things that you've done wrong. Charisma is a makes a big Yeah, charisma is important for behavior. And it and it you can get away with a lot. Convince, <laughs> you can convince people of just horrible things if you say it the right way. Yeah. And I think that that's also why some people who and this kind of ties back into what we said before. Like someone who's done something terrible to someone else, but they haven't done it to you. If that person's very charismatic, it's very easy to be like, but they're so charming. They're so yeah. sweet. I, they're just so engaging. I know that they did something terrible to Karen, yeah. but I find him so fascinating or that I'm just going to overlook yeah. that. Or she says that they did something terrible, but, I'm not but I've her. never seen that side of that person. Right. So there's no way. Yeah, and that makes it even more effective for them to disarm people and to get away with really shitty things. And so I think that that is something that I've had to been trained or learned to recognize is that when people kind of come off like that, I now am like, oh, no, no, you're too nice. Yeah. And there's something that I don't fucking trust about you and i instantly am like no i've been burned by people like you where everybody in the room loves that person no matter what they do or say you're just like Hmm. like this person's never done anything wrong huh i'm like how interesting and i kind of like do any of you people read true crime (laughs) are any of you aware of what people who have this personality do you watch forensic files (laughs) for god's sake have you ever listened to a podcast or read a fucking book? Do you not know that people who are that likable are there's usually something really wrong no one's with them. that likable. That's right. We're all fucking terrible. So if anyone who isn't at least a little terrible is faking it. Yeah. <laughs> They're covering so, something especially up. Especially when it's a situation where it's like you have like 
ten different types of people in the room, and they're all different. They're not similar in a lot of ways, and they all like. I'm like, how can you all like that one yeah, person? You're all completely <laughs> different from each other, and you all agree that this person's good. Nah. Yeah. So I find charm yeah. to be very maybe concerning. It's, maybe it helps because I know we've discussed before. We both sort of have a tendency to be oppositional about things, like things yes. that are popular or yeah. that everybody <laughs> loves. We're kind of like, eh. Like, and usually we mean it like sort of in like shows and movies yeah. and stuff, but. Maybe it pays that we're that way because we also pick up on people that are... Yeah, I'm not... uh, If I am introduced to someone who everybody else fucking raves about, and they're like, oh, he's so popular, everybody loves him or her or whoever, my immediate reaction is, huh, I don't trust this person. I like it. (laughs) They're going to have to win me over. Which is funny because I typically am very trusting. Like, I'm one of those people who will trust people until they fuck me over. And again, if they give me a sincere apology, I'll be like, oh, it's fine. And then they can do it again. I do eventually catch on, though. I'd like to say I do eventually catch Seven on. Seven or eight more times. Right. This is not going to work. Enough's enough. <laughs> <laughs> After a good ten, a good round ten times of fucking me over, we're done. Or maybe a dozen. I don't know. I'll decide when I get there. Wasn't I just talking about my frustration with other people being doormats? And here it turns out I've been one all <laughs> along. <laughs> oh, my God. This podcast is so cathartic. I learn something new about myself every day. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, the, 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 the people who are truly charming, uh, I don't like them. Yeah. I don't trust them. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's going to keep me alive. And I won't forgive them either. <laughs> to tie it back into this whole topic, I will not don't forgive them. Don't trust you. And even if it turns out I'm wrong, I'm still not going to <laughs> I'm still going to have a tiny grudge against you just because you're so fucking captivating. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> so so when something does go down, I can't. I never liked them all the way. <laughs> I knew all along all you motherfuckers were suckered in, but I knew. Something was wrong. I knew. (laughs) And I wrote it in my diary so I can show all of you. I I have proof. (laughs) I don't trust this person. See, I said it right there. On this date and this time. It's not because I'm, you know, paranoid or suspicious or cynical. It's because there's something wrong with them. Right. That's what it comes down to. That seems legit. I think that's fair. Yeah. So, see, we do have survival instincts. <laughs> Maybe they're just a little bit off in some ways, but I don't know that it really matters how you survive, just as long as you do. <laughs> That's right. Maybe as long as you aren't killing other people to survive. That might be a problem yes. way to survive. Yeah, but if you're really charming, people will still forgive you for it. Oh my god, you just described Rick Grimes on Walking Dead. <laughs> god, this has taken so many turns. It's a wild ride. Oh, well, I guess that's probably a good point on us to wrap it up in. I mean, because we don't want to have to go, that could branch off into an entirely different conversation there. Very much good. So, um, yeah, so I guess forgiveness is is good when you can achieve it, but grudges can also help keep you (laughs) alive. Depending on the kind of person you are, one or the other may be good for you. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you just got to figure out. Ask your doctor. (laughs) You got to figure out for yourself. What level of grudge is still healthy and keeping you alive? And what is too much? Yeah. It's a fine balance. It is. It really is all yeah. about balance. Yeah. But it's a, It's not a competition. Because we're all fucked up. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> we are not scientists, medical professionals, or mental health experts. We are simply two people interested in discussing a topic that affects everyone, either directly or indirectly. 
We are not expressing expert opinions and anything we say should not replace medical advice or treatment. If you're struggling with depression or anxiety, especially if you are thinking of harming yourself or someone else, please seek the help of a mental health or medical professional. The number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. You can also chat with them online. Take care. My Asshole Brain was written and hosted by Amanda Green and Stephanie Coons. Artwork by Doug Tolls, produced by Stephen Beasley, and presented by Greasley Enterprises. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.